Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Well, I tell you, we all needed that moment to remember Jesus at the end of this wild week. Amen? Any wild weeks out there? Any wild weeks for anybody here? I tell you, they follow you sometimes, but the good thing is we follow Christ. Hallelujah. When we have Jesus, you know what we have? And that's what we'll look at today in the book of Nahum. We have a refuge. Hallelujah. We have, do you need a refuge? Do you need a place of safety? A, pl- a safe zone. Amen. Hallelujah. Almost as though like when the Lord says to those proud waves, when He makes land uh, cause the waves to stop, and He says, you can come no further. Amen. Those proud waves will halt right here. There's times in our life we need a refuge. And the good thing is, the good news is, the good news has a name. And His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, this morning I thought we'd look at the book of Nahum. And you'll find it in your Old Testament. It's just a little bit behind uh, your New Testament. The book of Nahum. We're going to look at the first chapter. And... I'm so glad to uh, have some times where portions of Scripture really just stick out because often we need to be reminded, amen? Are you about repetition and memory for things to soak in? Well, that's the good news of the Gospel of Christ. We can look at it and remember and be blessed by it because sometimes that's exactly what we need. And... I'm reminded today as we worship these song, as we worship the Lord in song, I'm reminded there's so many lines that stick out in, my, in our minds, and some of our weeks are too much to handle. Amen? Amen? But the good news is we have the Lord. We have the Lord. And those of us that need to draw in closer to the Lord, today's the day. Hallelujah. Today is the day to draw in closer to the Lord. Well, I wanted to mention I'm a little stuffy today because I had a flu shot. Not this Thursday. Would you believe the following Thursday? Yeah, the previous Thursday, which was like ages ago in my mind. And boy, that shot was powerful and my nose went stuffy for a week and a half. So, bear with me today. I'm feeling much better, but I'm still glad I got that shot. I have to tell you, I I don't know. It's one of those toss-up things, but... Praise God, I'm here today. Well, we mentioned Nineveh because it's an ancient city. Jonah hung out there. Remember Jonah and the whale? Jonah hung out in Nineveh. Have you ever been to an old city? Anybody here? An old city? There you go, Jerusalem. It doesn't get much older than that. Nineveh was an old city. We just took the kids... uh, we just took the kids at the end of October uh, to London and Paris. And these are old cities. Very old cities. Would you believe in London they actually uncovered a, a plate in one of their uh, construction sites that the Romans uh, named it Londinium. And they actually uncovered it and found it. They found a king's grave uh, that they didn't know uh, existed. I mean, these are ancient cities. Paris, of course, just as amazing and just as uh, is spectacular, an ancient city, again, founded by the Romans. It's so cool to be in areas that are so ancient. 
Would you believe the airfare to get to London from New York was only $168 right now? The euro is lower than the U.S. dollar. That's never happened before. Usually a euro should be about, I don't know, $1.30, $1.40. The euro was 98 cents. Couldn't believe it. Our airfare was so cheap. So we took the kids to, to London. I, I got us to New York, and then we hopped on a plane over to, to London. Westminster Abbey, where they coronate the kings and queens. By the way, they told us, uh, some of the Brits told us they have to redo everything since there's no longer a queen. They have to put King Charles on all the money, all the coins. They have to change their national anthem because it can't be God Save the Queen anymore. So many changes. Took the kids to Westminster Abbey. Took the kids to the London Tower and that beautiful Tower Bridge that looks like something out of Shakespeare era. Uh, what else did we do in London, hon? We went to see Buckingham Palace with those guards out front, you know, all their, their stuff in their little huts. Uh, it was a blast. And then we caught the, uh, this Eurostar train. I don't know how fast 300 kilometers per hour is, but I think it's like close to 200 miles per hour, I think. And we got on the Eurostar train out of London, and then it goes underground. It goes under the English Channel in about... 30 minutes later, you pop up on the other side, and you're in France. And we took the kids all around Paris. I did this nice circle, Arc de Triomphe, uh, the Eiffel Tower, and then we moved our way towards Napoleon's tomb. For such a hated individual, you wouldn't believe how spectacular they buried Napoleon in the middle of Paris. It was something to see. Did you like that, Kai? That was cool. And then we swung around towards Notre Dame and uh, just spent the day in Paris. But Nineveh is even older. And we have something to learn from a lot of these locations. And I took the kids on a little educational tour of these two cities in Europe. And then today I say we look at Nineveh and see what we can learn from Nineveh. Because Nineveh, it's an interesting place, but it allowed sin to come back into the ratio, and things began to change. That's why I titled this sermon this morning, God's Relationship with You. Don't you love to have a relationship with the Lord? Hallelujah. It's a lesson from Nineveh that we will look at today. Let me read it to you here. Nahum 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. An oracle concerning Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum the Elkishite. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. Do you believe that? The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on His foes and maintains His wrath against His enemies. The Lord is slow to anger. Praise God. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. His way is in the whirlwind and the storm. And clouds are the dust of His feet. He rebukes the sea and He dries it up. He makes all the rivers run dry. Bashan and Carmel wither and the blossoms of Lebanon fade. The mountains quake before Him and the hills melt away. Wow, He sounds awesome. The earth trembles at His presence and the world and all who live in it. 
Who can withstand his indignation? Who can endure his fierce anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and rocks are shattered before him. The Lord is good. A refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. Now when it comes to memory, all of this is very important, but seven really captures my heart. Our Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble, and He who cares for those who trust in Him. He cares for us, praise the Lord. So think about these weeks and these days that we have, the rough times. And I think about how good the Lord is to even help us in stressful times. And very often, that's what can find us in a given week or a given month or a given year. Times of stress. But you know what? Sometimes you have to remember one thing. That truly you have someone you can run to. Amen? And you don't even need to run that far. Often all you have to do is stop right where you are and say, Come Lord into my situation, into my life. I need you in the details. There's so many times I pray for the Lord to be in the details of my life or a situation, and He responds. Don't you love that? There was, uh, when we were in New York, I have to tell you, when we're, actually, when, when we jumped over the pond to Europe and we were in New York, you know what I started missing? My normal food places. You cannot get In-N-Out Burger in New York. And then once we were in Europe, we were trying to find cool coffee places. It's always cool to try different things. But you know what wasn't in London and Paris? Coffee bean. Yeah, I'm a coffee bean guy. Starbucks gal right here. But I was so excited to get back to our part of the earth and be able to come back home, get my coffee bean, and grab my In-N-Out burger. I had a friend from uh, Canada, and he was telling me, I did some research on In-N-Out burger, and I, I never realized that uh, they were a Christian company. And uh, he started telling me all about these scripture verses that are hidden, that he knew. We, we knew about them. You know, if you've ever purchased In-N-Out burger, you look under the cup, and there's a scripture verse, Revelation. Or you get uh, French fries and you look at the bottom of the uh, the wrapper and it's something from Proverbs. Or you buy, uh, I don't know, something else like a a shake or something and maybe on that one it's this scripture from Nahum. The Lord is good. This scripture is written on the packaging at In-N-Out Burger. So you know, when I went to the window of In-N-Out Burger, the young gal that I was talking to was having a rough time. And I said, do you know that God's Word is on the packaging in your thing? She goes, I didn't. I wasn't aware of that. So I read to her, Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good. And would you believe that was the day that she needed encouragement? Isn't it awesome how God works that way? We're here to share, Amen. Because very often when you hear like Nineveh, the Lord, is, the Lord is pointing out Nineveh for a reason. But when you look closely at the book of Nahum, if you look at that city, that city stands out in that area because it was starting to become a mess. And very often when you make a move away from the Lord or away from Scripture, away from God's Spirit, mess begins to happen. Amen? And very often we have to remember that Jonah was actually sent to Nineveh and preached there. 
And they originally turned from their sin, but in Nahum we see that they allowed sin to creep right back in. And isn't that the purpose of sin? It always wants to creep up on you or just smack you in the face. It can be either or. It wants to sneak up on you. And they began idol worship in this town. They became proud. They became arrogant. They became oppressive. And the more I thought about it, I can't really point a finger on the uh, residents of Nineveh because I can be just like them if I'm not careful. Have you ever had a moment where there's so many times you think and you look retrospectively into yourself and think, gosh, there's so much work that still needs to be done even in me. I don't even know if I'm worthy to come through those front doors. I don't know if I should go to church today. How many times does the enemy lie to you and tell you such things? You don't know what I did this week, Lord. You don't know the words that came out of my mouth, Lord. I said some mean things to people. I was cruel to people. I wasn't showing uh, love, affection, kindness, forgiveness. There's so many things I did. Why would I be in your house? And he is still our refuge, amen. He is, he's the God that loves the sinner. Awesome. I don't have to be Pharisee level, Sadducee level, temple big shot level, I can be me, the little sinner. Or me, the big sinner. And the Lord is still for me. Hallelujah. I love that. But we began to see a change in Nineveh. And often, if we're not careful, we can be just like that city. We can be guilty of placing things before the Lord. Amen? You know how much I work since I've been back from... Paris, working way too much. I can put things before the Lord in two seconds if I'm not careful. That's why I'm glad to be here today and worship. Worship and remember what's truly important. I can get busy at work. I can get busy trying to make sales. It's Q4. We're the end of the year. I got big numbers to make. I got money to push through, sales to push through, inventory to fight for, blah, 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 blah. Oh, wait a minute, the Lord. Excuse me. I can't do all those other things unless I invite Him into my day today. Lord, be there for me. Take my stress. Help me with my sales. Whatever my boss wants, Lord, help me be the best to be what she needs. Amen. And I can do it only with you. So very often we can put things before the Lord. Also, we can become proud and arrogant if we're not careful. That might connect with some of you. That might not. But the way I look at proud and arrogant is... I could throw an attitude if I'm not careful at other people. And that is the last kind of person I want to be. Amen? Have you ever thrown an attitude at someone? You don't have to admit it. I can throw an attitude if I am not careful. And a lot of people say this about me. Your face says it all. I don't even have to say anything. I can just give one. I don't even know what it looks like, so I'll just make it up. I don't know. I don't even know. But they'll say, your face. I walked to coffee with a friend two days ago, and he said, you don't have to say it, Ryan. Your face says it all. I understand. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> also, if we're not careful, we can be oppressive to other people. You know what that means to me? Mean. I can be mean if I am not careful. And I tell myself to choose to be a loving person. Amen. The other day I had a coaching session with one of my associates. He said, so you want me to fake it? We were talking about interaction with other colleagues. He said, do you want me to just fake it? I said, no. 
I'm not asking you to fake anything because this isn't Hollywood. I'm asking you to choose to emulate the proper behaviors. You don't have to act or fake anything. You can choose to be that person. People forget that in this world, amen? They think they're just winging it and they're winning an Oscar for trying to just be phony. No, we can choose. If we're lacking lovingness towards people, we can choose to be loving. If we're lacking patience with people, we can choose to be a person of patience. The Lord gave us a big brain. Am I wrong? We can choose to be what God calls us to be. Hallelujah. One year, Jan and I were praying for a year of sacrifice. Lord, use us. Help us sacrifice more and more. You know what happened next month? In-laws wanted to come in for many, 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 many days. And I thought, Lord, why did we pray for a year of sacrifice? I love in-laws. I love my family. But after day three, I need a break. Where's in and out Where's coffee bean? I'm out of here. Sometimes you have to be careful what you pray for because the Lord answers in mysterious ways. Amen? Sometimes people pray for patience and then so many horrible challenges come against them and that's probably the answer to that prayer and you just missed it. But I'll say we found out that after prayer, the Lord is eager to bless and answer those prayers. Our sacrificial attitudes though at that time, I will tell you, wasn't Always the right attitude. But we learn from Nineveh, and we'll uh, start with our first point this morning. We learn that with the example of Nineveh, we can influence God's relationship within us to be the most productive ever when we humble ourselves before the Lord. God would judge Nineveh, and that means that we will not let anyone resist. He won't let them resist his authority or even reject him. You know, people can choose to do a lot of things, but that's the last thing God's people want to do. No one can hide from His judgment. There are those, though, that continue to trust in Him, and may that be us, His people. Amen. So the first point is this. Nineveh, the great city, it could not see the rubble it would become. They're just chugging along, doing their thing, on and on, going forward with whatever plans they felt fit, but they couldn't see the rubble that it would become because of the decisions and the sin. There's a guy on the radio. I listened to a couple different talk radio stations, and he says, too many wrong decisions and you can ruin your life. (laughs) I thought, oh, what a reminder. Nineveh had to live that story. May that not be our story. Amen. God cannot allow sin to go unpunished. It's not who He is. And there's always a price to pay for sin. Have you experienced that? There's always a price to pay. Nineveh's relationship with God was lacking, to say the least. They're like spoiled, arrogant children just moving in their own direction. So easily spoiled, and I thought about this. Could you imagine what kind of children would be in this world if we just left no boundaries, no ramifications, just spoiled, let them do whatever they want? Have you ever seen children like that? There was a little boy in my, when I was running Rolex at the wind, there was a little boy. Mom and dad are looking at watches at the counter, and this little dude's on my couch with a 7-Up open container, and he's all over in the chair, not sitting up properly, moving around. You know, he's probably on a kid drug, sugar, uh, sugar rush. 
And I thought, that 7-Up is going to spill all over my chair. I don't know how much Geneva spent on these chairs, but I would imagine at least four to five grand each. And next thing I knew, the worst happened. That little kid knocked over that 7-Up in my chair, and he didn't even lift it up. It just began to goo 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 Mom and dad look back. I look at mom and dad like, are you going to do something or am I going to jump in here? And they just turned around and started looking at watches again. Spoiled. Unbelievable. So what did I do? Of course, I got that kid out of that chair. No, move over here. And then I, I called the you know, team to come clean it up. But my, my, my chair was ruined. But can you imagine? The Lord doesn't let us become like that though, Amen. Hallelujah. We are not spoiled. We're not ruined. He doesn't let us get to that point. Even though God is slow to anger, our passage continues that He is also great in power. And aren't you glad for that? We need His power. Amen? His healing touch. His words of love. His tenderness. His direction. He will not leave the guilty unpunished, though, is what we learn here from Nahum. Now think, if God was a father who allowed spoiled children, unchecked behavior, imagine no recourse for foul language, ungodly evil practices, out-of-control anger. Imagine if he allowed envy, covetedness, murderousness. I mean, the world would be out of control. It actually sounds like Los Angeles. Okay. I know I'm tough on L.A. sometimes. <laughs> Anybody else live in L.A. <laughs> at one point? <laughs> yeah. I don't miss those days. I mean, the family loved it because of the weather and the beaches, but I didn't miss the, <laughs> the riots and the, the, the home invasions you read about and all that stuff. But I started thinking very often, we almost sound like Nineveh here, don't we? One of the first things said about the Lord in our passage is that He is jealous and avenging. When you hear such words about the Lord, it, sometimes early on in your Christian walk, it might sound a little surprising. You might wonder, jealous, vengeful. But what do these things accomplish? Remove sin? I do not want to sin against the Lord. Restore relationship with Him? I want restored relationship with my God. Amen. For those who trust in and live for the Lord, they will have a God who is their very refuge. For those who refuse to believe in God, His punishment is like angry fire. May that not be our story. His wrath is poured out like fire, Scripture says. In our relationship with the Lord, I think we should trust in Him and have Him as our refuge rather than someone full of wrath and fire. Amen? Hallelujah. And our sins are never a secret. Isn't that true? Our sins are never a secret. So we won't repeat the mistake of Nineveh. Second is this. Thank God that He is slow to anger. If He wasn't slow to anger, we'll look into it. What would life be like if He wasn't slow to anger? We're going to look at that in a minute. Because it wouldn't be fun. It would be a nightmare for many of us. Praise God, though, a million times for this point, He is slow to anger. And I'll tell you why in one sentence. Because if all of us, are we all sinners? Am I in a room full of sinners? Me too. That's me. 
If all of us here, the sin in our lives, consider the following when it comes to being a sinner. If punishment for sin was immediately, immediate, right on the spot, would any of us even be here? I thought about this. I probably deserved to be wiped out a long time ago. Especially after graduation, when I think of my toughest years, 1992 to 1998, I was probably a nightmare for the Lord. Mom and Dad were out of the equation. I graduated. I went wild for a while. Wasn't there a movie called Wild Child? I was something like that. Or Rebel Without a Cause. Whatever. I was doing, I was like Nineveh, doing my own thing, choosing my own course. It was almost like I took the Lord off the steering wheel of the ship and I said, ah, I got this. And I led myself into all the right directions? No. All the wrong directions. But if punishment was uh, immediate, maybe many of us wouldn't even be here. So many times I see people, I look at other people's sin and I say, why does God allow this or that to go on? Have you ever been there? Why does the Lord allow this or that to go on? Were you praying about the election? I did. And you think, Lord, why would you allow (laughs) something or here or there or on and on? But if you thought that, remember that God is slow to anger, praise the Lord, for good reason. He gives us time to turn our lives around. Oh, I took a break on the Lord from like 1991, and I did not come back until 99. And I'm so grateful because I'll tell you one thing. He would sprinkle people in my life during that dark decade that I took a break on him and I did my own thing, he would sprinkle people in my lives just as a reminder of how much I was still on his mind, how the hook would not be taken out of my heart. No matter what I did, it still left me empty. Degrees, friends, partying, whatever it is, selfish ambition, all of it left me completely empty. There's only one thing that could fill that hole, and that was Jesus. And I knew it. He gives us time to turn our lives around. One thought that scared me, though, when I took that 10-year absence on the Lord was this. When I was living in the worst sin of my life, have you been there? When I was living at the worst point, the thought that God, if He would have sent His Son at that time, during those ten years, I would have died in my sins and I would have gone to hell. Have you ever had that thought? He is coming back. Amen? He came once. He will come again. But God is slow to anger and He has another plan for us. Amen? He has another plan up his sleeve, and that's to make us his faithful and his saints. I can tell you that during those 10 years, though, the Lord is still faithful, hallelujah, still faithful to give me time to turn my life around, and not just to hang out with believers and just spend time with them, but to emulate the life of a believer, amen, to become a true servant of Christ and accept his love. All of these reasons are great why the Lord is slow to anger. And it's also a reason why Nahum can rightly say these words, The Lord is good. Hallelujah. He's a good God. We're very blessed. 
And I'm not always good. Are you always good? The worst thing for me is traffic. I hate traffic. There was a game when I was a kid, and it had this song, and it would go do 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 do. This this game was called Spy Hunter. It was this awesome little Porsche, and the game, you know, you put your quarter in, and the game would start, and you're driving this little Porsche, and there are all these buttons, and on this car were the coolest things. People get on your nerves. Smoke screen. They can't see, and they veer off the road and crash. Our guy gets too close to you, oil slick. And then the oil makes him spin out and crash. The people in front of you, there's some extra special buttons reserved for them. Machine guns. Missile launch. When I'm driving in traffic and people are driving me crazy, would you believe all these years later I pretend like I have buttons on my steering wheel? Oil slick. Smoke screen. Missile launch. Rocket launch. In our area of town, it's getting worse and worse. And I tell Jana, I wish I had this thing, like even those little, remember those things that, I don't know if the girls would play with it, but you'd bounce a ball and you'd pick up these jacks. Yeah, and I think sometimes when I'm driving on the freeway and these big diesels start taking up all the lanes to pass each other and slow everybody down, if I had those jacks with all those little spikes, I'd just push my little button on my steering wheel, pop, 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 pop all 18 of your tires. I'm not always good, but the Lord is good. He's slow to anger. He has better plans for us. God places us with unbelievers to impact their lives, amen? Because we are the ones that live for Him. He gives us time to accept His love. When we're mad at people, when we want to be quick to judgment, quick to anger, we need to slow down and remember that our God is slow to anger and we will emulate Him. When our friends at work, our, our colleagues, our, our whatever, co-workers bug us, these are the moments when really we need to slow down and not throw attitude, throw patience, throw understanding. So I ask, do we need to be slow to anger with others? Are we guilty of not doing what the Lord does? Very often we're quick to anger, quick to judgment, quick to point out. And often all we need to do is go look in a mirror and go, whoa, buddy. Why are we so quick to point out the speck in a brother or sister's eye and we have a log in our own? It's such a good point. That basically means throw your face in front of a mirror when you want to judge somebody. Hallelujah. The change can start with us. This is one of those God moments, though. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Be slow to anger as God is slow to anger. Abound in grace, people of God, and forgiveness. Amen. And you'll find that your relationship with the Lord will be more blessed than ever before. Work while it is day. Hallelujah. Be a blessing to the world. Our last point is this. Thank God that we have a refuge in times of trouble. In 1999, I needed a place to run to. Because I already knew the mess I had become. And I needed a place of refuge. And I told you before about those beautiful lakes in the Paranagat Valley. Remember we were talking about that? If you drive up to Alamo, the barren desert turns into beautiful lakes out of nowhere. Not man-made lakes, God-made lakes. And you know what's so cool about those lakes? You know who finds those two beautiful little lakes? The birds. 
Those birds flock. How they find these lakes are amazing. It's a place of refuge for thousands of birds. And you know what they're doing? They're stopping on their way to Mexico. Who wants who doesn't want to who does not want to winter in Mexico? These birds I'm jealous. They have the life I want. They they summer in Vancouver and they winter in Cancun. Nice. <laughs> Wonderful. I like that life. But they have a refuge in times of trouble. If you're flying from Canada to Mexico, those little lakes come in handy. A place of refuge. Amen. Your life is also a journey. And I don't want you to forget it. And this journey will be full of days that can be difficult, trying hard. You might cry once in a while. Because it's so hard. And Nahum reminds us that our God is good. A refuge in times of trouble. And you see, when you feel like life is just squeezing you, taking you. Spiritual attack. Have you been there? Under spiritual attack. Remember that if you're a servant of God, He cares for you and those who trust in Him. And that's what we learn from Nahum 1. Have you ever seen a real castle? Castles are cool. The first one I saw was in Switzerland, and then, of course, the kids got to see uh, the London Tower, the Tower of London. And the cool thing about a castle is it's so fortified. Who's going to attack it? Well, maybe the French might if you're in London <laughs> back in the day. But a castle is a great thing because it, it's a place of refuge, a place of safety, a place of security. Kylie, when you saw that Tower of London, would you feel safe if you were in there? And you saw the moat that goes around the whole thing. They draw in the River Thames right off of the river and they caused a moat to go right around it. It's, a, it's amazing. But the best thing about a castle is who lives in it? A king. Hallelujah. And we have a king. Amen. He is our refuge. We have the Lord. Never forget that. A refuge in times of trouble. And when you are in trouble, and trouble might come, amen, you can almost count on it, we have a king to serve. And he's not the kind of king that comes and goes. It won't go King George, King Elizabeth, King Charles, King William, and they keep passing away, right? He is the king that lasts forever. Amazing. That is unlike the world. That's unlike earth kings, earthly kings. This is a king that never passes And his kingdom will have no end. I think I would choose that kingdom. So as we close this morning, I wanted to mention this. Max Lucado says it perfect. Pastor Max says this. Our king is Jesus. But what were the words of King Herod when he was told about the birth of Jesus? Think about the birth of our king. King Herod's response was, kill him. There is room for only one king in this corner of the world. What about the number of religious leaders who believed that Messiah would be born in Bethlehem? Guess how many? Zero. What about the type of people who did believe there was a Messiah? Stargazers, shepherds that are working the night shift and all stinky. Couple of newlyweds who claim to have more experience in giving birth than any kind of relations. The reward that was given to Joseph and Mary for bringing God into the world? Two years of exile and they had to learn a new language, Egyptian. Would you want to have to be forced to learn Egyptian? Not easy. 
This was the beginning of the Christian movement. And these were considered the calm years. He continues, the word on the streets when it came to Jesus' ministry. The word on the streets of his hometown, the hometown of Jesus, when he said, you know, this is the, the one claimed to be sent from God, people would say, weird family. The reaction of the hometown folks, stone him. The number of disciples that Jesus recruited, 70. The number of disciples who defended Jesus to the authorities? Zero. The assessment of Jesus' followers is found in the Jerusalem editorial page, a group of unemployed, recruited off the shipping docks people out of the red light districts. The number of lepers and blind and lame people that Jesus healed? Too many to count. The number of healed lepers and blind and lame people who defended Jesus on the day of his death? Zero. About his execution, the popular opinion regarding Jesus before he cleansed the temple, let's see if he'll run for office. The popular opinion regarding Jesus after he cleansed the the temple, let's see how fast he can run. The decision of the Jewish council, three spikes and a spear. The talk on the streets of Jerusalem after Jesus died, he should have stayed in the furniture business. The number of times Jesus prophesied that he would come back to life three days after his death, three. The number of apostles who heard the prophecy, all of them. The number of apostles who waited at the tomb to see if he would do what he said, zero. The number of his followers who believed in the resurrection before it occurred, you do the math. The odds of a street corner bookie would have given that day after the crucifixion on the possibility that Jesus' name would be known in the year 2020 give you better odds than when he would rise from the dead. Now what about the movement of Jesus? The official response of the Jewish leaders to the rumors of the resurrection. Of course they'll say he's alive. They have to. What else can they say? But the actual response of the Jewish leaders to the resurrection A great number of the Jewish priests believed and obeyed. Acts 6. The decision of the Jewish leaders about the church, if their plan comes from human authority, it will fail, but if it's from the Lord, you will not be able to stop them. The response of the church, the number of followers was growing, again from the book of Acts. The movement continues. The belief of French philosopher Voltaire, since we were just in Paris, what did he say? The Bible and Christianity would pass within a hundred years. Voltaire died in 1778, and our movement continues. The pronouncement of Frederick Nietzsche in 1882, God is dead, he said during the dawn of science. He believed it would doom the faith. Science has dawned, God's church continues. Communists call the Holy Bible in their dictionary. It's a collection of fantastic legends without any scientific support. God's church continues. The discovery made by every person who tried to bury the faith, the same one as those made by those who tried to bury its founder. He won't stay in a tomb. The facts, God's church has never been stronger, amen? 
Over one billion Catholics and nearly as many Protestants on planet Earth. Now the question, how do we explain it? Jesus was a backwater peasant. He never wrote a book, never held an office. He never journeyed more than 200 miles from his hometown. His friends left him, one betrayed him, those he helped forgot him, and prior to his death they abandoned him. But after his death they couldn't resist him. And what made the difference? The answer is his death and his resurrection. For when he died, so did our sin. And when he rose, so did your life and your hope. For when he rose, your grave was changed to a final residence. To temporary, it went from final residence to temporary housing. Hallelujah. And the reason he did it was when you look in the mirror next time at yourself, he did it for you. Amen. He did it for you. So the verdict after two millennia, Pastor Max said, Herod, Herod was right. There is room for only one king. Let's stand and pray. Lord, we thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you thanks for you are worthy. Hallelujah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Lord, bless your people. May we be reminded today that truly there is room for only one King. Hallelujah. And may it always be you, Lord. May we always be people who worship and serve you. Thank you, Lord, that you are a refuge in times of trouble. Amen. Thank you, Lord God, that you are slow to anger. You give us time to turn. Two turns. Turn from our sin and turn towards your son, Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that we won't be like Nineveh and not have the vision to see the rubble that will come from our life, but we'll have the vision to see the amazing thing you make of our life in you, found in you, founded on you, on you, the rock, in Jesus' name. Lord, bless your people. Bless us as we go. May we be a blessing to others in this valley. And may your church continually, Lord, emulate who you are. Love, acceptance, forgiveness, grace, peace. May people come here, Lord God, and turn from sin and turn towards Jesus always. And in your name we pray, Christ Jesus. Amen.